Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Adrian Moore. Hello everyone. God's excited for each and every one of you, for what the resurrected Christ has in store for me, for you, and for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that we hear clearly in our hearts and our minds, your word, your desire, your love, your honor, your wisdom, your truth, your encouragement, and your direction for each of us this day. And that having heard you, we pray that we receive you in the fullness that you so dearly want to give us. And then that we choose to love, honor, and respect ourselves, each other, and you, to engage with you and with your kingdom purposes for each of us. Amen. Today is a special day, a very special day. It's Easter Sunday. Happy Easter! Today, as Christians, we celebrate that this truly, truly is a special day that the Lord has made. We celebrate today as Resurrection Day, where Christ was resurrected and is the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is how the Message Bible describes celebrating special days that God has created. This is the very day God acted. Let's celebrate and be festive. Salvation now, God. Salvation now. Oh yes, God, a free and full life. But if you're listening to this service and this talk and wonder why, I've just mentioned a modern take on a psalm written thousands of years ago. Psalm 118 verses 24 to 25, by the way. And you're wondering what it's all about. Why celebrate today especially? Well, here's the reason. We can worship freely and with awe the God who created everything the universe, every fiber, and every living being, past, present, and future. We are his children. But so what? Well, every now and again, I and each of us mess up. And sometimes the mess is huge and relationships break down between us, between even ourselves. We can beat ourselves up and also between us and God. But God desires, he longs for us to be in good relationships, growing, loving, caring, developing, encouraging one another with each of us, with our children, with our family's children, and with him. But those relationships can sometimes be the opposite. Not because of God, but because of me, us, you, and what we can do, what we can say about ourselves to others, to him. And sometimes it's about the actions that, and words that we don't say and we should do. When any relationship becomes sour, let alone toxic, as a result of a crossword or a heated argument, or misunderstanding, or even a miscommunication. It can take something amazing to happen. 
It can take someone to choose, to move forward, to forgive another person, even if they have really hurt us. What can happen thereafter is a restoration of relationship, love, honor, respect, care, and compassion, and a passion and a, a desire to see good emanate from a relationship that had paused, let alone soured or become toxic. Each of us, me, you, each of us know what it's like to have done something that's really upset someone else. Whether it was something we did as a child, or as a teenager, or as an adult. And we know as well, each of us, what it's like when we're upset as a result of somebody doing something to us. But what about when 10, 20, 50, or 100 people have upset you at the same time? and then continually, without stopping. 100 people who have rejected you, criticized you, lambasted you, abused your good intentions, and rejected your love and care, and thrown it back in your face at the same time and continually? How does that make you feel? I actually don't know how I'd feel. In my life, I've been fortunate. I can't think that there have been many times when more than a handful of people have criticized me at the same time and thrown back the love and care that I have for them. So I can't imagine how anybody would feel when 20, 50, or 100 people reject love and care. I might be eaten up by an unbearable sorrow, how I might think that I wouldn't or couldn't love anything or anybody again. Indeed, I might think that I could hate everything and hate everyone. But can you know how you'd feel? But what about when thousands, scores of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have rejected you, blamed you, abused your name? vilified you, castigated you. Thousands and thousands of people. I cannot fathom how I be. It's out of my comprehension. My, I really, really can't. My, my brain can't process that. But God does know. Because that happened to him. Due to mankind's greed, selfishness, desires for self-worth, disunity, rejections of values, relationships breaking down between people and communities, rejections of values, God's loving, caring relationship with us was rejected by us, spat on by us. And what did, what did God do? Well, he said about giving us, reaching out to us, teaching us a new beginning, middle and end, once and for all. He did something so special, once and for all. He chose not to reject me, not to reject us, not to reject you. He chose to forgive me for all the things I've done wrong and those things and those times when I've wronged him. 
and others. But not only me. Whether you yet know the living, resurrected Jesus or not, he chose to forgive you for those things that you've done and said to others, those wrongs you have done and said to him. God chose to do something that was so extreme, so amazing, so out of sight and incomprehensible. And because God is past, present, and future, he did it so that it was for all people, then, now, and the future. So what did he do when millions had rejected him? And abused him. He said he loved them. He said he loved me. He said he loved you. The new beginning was that he sent his son, Jesus, to be born on the earth. To grow, to walk, to be taught, and to teach others. It's his birth that we celebrate at Christmas. The middle, the middle was that Jesus, the Son of God, part of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, willingly went to the cross. He was verbally, physically beaten, abused, tortured, his clothes literally torn from him and gambled over in front of his eyes. He willingly allowed himself to suffer an horrendous death through crucifixion, nailed to a cross and left to die in agony while others in front of him gloated. And why did he do that? He did it to forgive us, to allow us, to enable us to have that relationship with him and each other in love, care and compassion, to make a difference once and for all. And also, so that you and I could have life, and life in all its fullness, now and everlasting. One of the passages in the Bible that many people know is from the Gospel, an account of Jesus, the Gospel of John, in what we know as John chapter 3, verse 16, and a couple of verses after that. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusational finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. For those of you who are listening who don't yet know Christ, listening live today, or are told by someone else about knowing Christ. Well, this is your introduction. So each of us, whether or not we know Christ yet, each of us, if we put our trust in him, 
acknowledge that he went to the cross to restore relationships and to have a relationship with you, with me, and for us with one another, to know him and to believe in Jesus. God says that you are forgiven, restored, and an adventure awaits. The letter to the Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, instructs us like this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So today, and I ask you to join me, those of you who want to recommit or those for the first time to know the living resurrected Christ, join with me and declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord. So today I celebrate and I declare God's son, Jesus, who went to the cross and died for me and was resurrected and is alive for me and you, is my Lord and Savior. But many at the time, including Jesus' closest disciples, thought that that was the end, that he'd went to the cross and was then buried in a tomb. But he didn't stay on that cross or in the tomb. This is the God who created everything. How can I, how can you have a two-way conversation and a relationship that's alive with someone who's dead? You can't. We are still in the throes of a lockdown, but there's hope just around the corner. Jesus' disciples were in a lockdown as well about 2,000 years ago. They were hiding in a room full of fear and trepidation. They were worried that anybody could come along and put them to death as well. They were being persecuted by the same people who they had seen put Jesus on a cross just three days earlier. But it had been foretold by Jesus. He had told them that he would come alive again. But when he died, they hid, desolate, full of fear, trepidation. It was the end. And nothing could change that, or so they thought. After he died, the Gospels in the Bible tell us that he was buried and placed in a tomb. But three days after his death, inside that locked room with those frightened, fearful disciples, the resurrected Christ appeared in their midst. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 20 says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, the disciples were overjoyed. He showed them his hands and his side with the wounds, but they were overjoyed and saw their Lord. Scripture, we're told, says they were overjoyed to see the Lord. 
but it must have blown their minds. Never mind us thinking that we'll soon be able to have a haircut or go to the pub and have a pint. Think about it. They were in a locked room. They were frightened for their lives. And then the man they had seen nailed to a cross, killed, a spear shoved into his side. For their, for my, for your sins. He died, but he appeared in their midst alive. What they had thought was the end. Their eyes saw and their minds realized the truth that it wasn't the end. And God did that with them. He can do it for you. Are you thinking that perhaps whatever you are at the moment, wherever you are, whatever is happening, that there is something that might be the end. But now, are you actually thinking that perhaps it is maybe not the end, but somewhere between the beginning and the middle of your story? God so loved the world that he gave the very, very best he had for us, his only son. Now, this passage I'm going to read is from the New Testament. It's from the first letter to the Corinthians. And many of you will have heard it at wedding services. When two people declare their relationship, declare their love for one another in front of God, they make a covenant to love, honor, and respect each other. And these words come from God. Jesus was his new covenant to you and to me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. The two most difficult things to get straight in life are our understanding of God and our understanding of love. Often, the mess that we make of our lives can be traced to a failure in, or stupidity or meanness in one or both of those areas. Now, as Christians, our conviction has to be that these two subjects are intricately linked. If we want to relate to God the right way, we have to learn to love the right way. And if we want to love the right way, we have to relate to God the right way. God and love cannot be separated. In Jesus, God and love are linked accurately, intricately, and indissolubly. Jesus reveals God. Jesus reveals God's love. Jesus provides the full and true understanding of God. And Jesus shows us the working out of God's love to us. Now, we are taught the three R's as part of our schooling. Reading, writing, arithmetic. But we are best taught by those who love and care for us. Whether that's our parents, 
school teachers or best friends. We are best taught by those who desire the very best for us and who love and care for us and respect us for who we are and what we can be. Even when we're young children, it's mutual love, honor, and respect. Now, God desires the very best for each of us, and he wants you and me to receive his love, care, and compassion, and to teach us, each of us, those ways that can best benefit us, for us to grow, learn, and know what true love is, and then to teach others, children, teenagers, adults, parents, business owners, colleagues, shoppers. After all, when you hear and you know a good thing, do you keep it to yourself or do you want to share it with others? When you know something has huge benefits, we are wired to tell others and share it. So when you know something has huge benefits, what are God's teaching ours? Well, there's many. I'm going to list a few that I've come up with. Some that are important to me in this Easter story and in my life past, present, in the next three months and future. The first one you won't be surprised about. Resurrection. The second one, reconciliation. The third one, restoration. The fourth one, refocus. The fifth, realignment. The sixth, reassignment. And the seventh, resurgence. And I'll break that one down. Resurgence, a revival in activity, a rebirth, a rejuvenation, a resumption, a regeneration, and a renewal. Now, you've heard that Jesus did not stay on the cross or in a tomb, but appeared alive to those who thought him dead. Those who thought that their own lives were pretty much over. After they saw Jesus, though, they believed in the resurrection. They were transformed for life for themselves and others all around them. They taught. People listened. Lives were transformed for life, present and future. God reconciled us to him through a once and for all act of love and desire for relationship, not just with us, but for each other, an understanding of God and an understanding of love. Jesus defined God's love for us, and it's up to us to choose. From that resurrection and reconciliation, a resurgence of faith, desire, love, so amazing, so divine, transformed the world through those disciples and thousands and millions since. What do you need to resurrect in your life? A prophetic word that someone gave to you years ago and God says, now is the time for you to pick this up and run with it. What do you need to become alive in your life again? Do you feel redundant? Do you feel obsolete? Is God saying to you to rise up from that thinking and walk? Is there a relationship with someone, a child, a teenager, an adult, a relationship with God, 
that needs resurrecting or a new beginning, a renewal of faith, an overcoming or debilitating fear, or an intransigence, which is a self-imposed barrier or a refusal, in this case, from allowing God into your life. Let God restore you from wherever you may be and choose to walk with him in a new resurrected relationship. What or who do you need to reconcile? Yourself? Are you blaming yourself or someone else? Do you need to forgive yourself? Someone else? Reconcile yourself to a child, a teenager or an adult. God gave us a new covenant in Jesus Choose to allow God to do a new thing in your life through reconciliation. But note, if a relationship has broken permanently through abuse or something similar, it may mean that you have to move on. But be reconciled to yourself and to God. And then draw a line and move forwards. Do not go backwards, but live freely and delight in the freedom of God, loving you and you him in and on the new path in your life. What do you need to come to resurgence? What does God need in you to be resurgent? For you, for others, for his kingdom, the gospel is the story in which we find our identity and purpose. But how do others see that we lead our lives? Offering another person the chance to see how we live our life and share this Easter story, that that's the greatest gift we can give to anyone because Jesus opened up to us the very thing that the world needs. Some musical composers, some authors, have written music in books that they haven't finished. What have you thought is finished in your life? That God still, though, has plans and purposes for you to do. Are you today going to choose to ignore that? Or are you going to choose to engage with God and pursue its plans and purposes for your life, for you, your children, your family's children, for others, and for good, and for God? This town, Scarborough, is full of people who do not yet know Christ. But wherever you are, Whatever town, city, village you're in, whatever region, county, country, or continent, there's many people that do not yet know Christ. So how are you, how am I going to make a way for neighbors, friends, family, shoppers, shop owners, business owners, local police, local councils, workers, homeless, drug dealers, tax collectors, children? Jesus said, suffer little children, let them come unto me. Children can hear from God so much clearer than we can sometimes. They can bring their parents to faith. That's pretty much what happened to Denise and myself. Denise and I believed in God, but our children came alive in God in their early teenage years and showed us how to really love one another and to love God. And from that beginning and our acceptance of God's love, our love for each other was transformed. 
Years later, in 2009, Denise and I were at our first faith camp. We knew then that there was God's plans and purposes in our life at that time. We were expectant, though, because we were at a crossroads as to where to live, which church to go to, what to do for God. And then one morning early on in that week, Pastor Clive passionately introduced the children, all ages from zero to 18. Not as the church of tomorrow, but the church of today. His passion, his belief, his love for God and his love for God's children. And that insight resonated with Denise and me. And we knew then that our future was with kingdom faith. So how are you interacting with your own children or with your family's children for God? How are you teaching them? How are you preparing for them to astound others? And are you prepared for them to astound you in their mission for God? How is your relationship with them? Bring God's love to bear fruit for you, for them, for all they talk to about God. The God who saves, who loves, who lives and gives life now and for eternity. As we come nearer to whatever church and our lives look like in the weeks and the months to come, it is time for new beginnings. In the activity of resumption, renewal, revival, reset, the resurgence that comes from resurrection and reconciliation. It's about declaring that over our lives, to see clearly what God is doing, to pray transformationally over our towns for new opportunities to arrive for churches to communicate for the well-being and welfare of businesses, communities and schools. For new wine to be poured into new wineskins, for new life to come to bear fruit in us, through us. For us to be the refined gold that God wants us to be. It comes from the same intimacy that comes from a relationship with the resurrected and living God, guided by his Holy Spirit, seeking his provision. Not in our lives, but in our children's as well. Not only that, but in our towns. A new season is coming. God's provision comes to us, but we have to pass it on to children and where we live. You we are part of God's plan. God's made the way for fresh ideas. He's guided us. He's preparing the way. In this church throughout lockdown from March last year, another team, the Corona Leadership Team, has been instigated, developed, encouraged, and enabled to communicate to today's church generation. What is happening already in your own churches? Look for the new wine, the new wineskins, the resurrection, the reconciliation, the resurgence of revival. Me, you, us, we have to take the Lord seriously. Not only for ourselves, but also for our children. They are the catalyst that God can choose to bring life to parents, teachers, and where they live guided by the best teacher who desires the very best for them. 
Thousands of years ago, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19, it's written, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Can we have the team back up, please? A new way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. As adults, we need to decree and say and pray and do our part in God's plan for our children's and young people's lives. To be intentional and teach them how to worship, how to love themselves, others, and God. And then be prepared for them to surprise us with the purity of the message they hear from God. We need to call it forth. They are the church of today. And together with us, the watchmen of today, but the watchmen of tomorrow. We need to call them forth. And for them to rise up, to be an army for this and future generations. To preach God's gospel and transform nations. There's a harvest all around us, including for our children to be workers. But first, we need to pray for strategy, wisdom and provision for workers for the children. Be our part, though, in all of that of God's plans and purposes. After all, we are all God's children, whether we're in our mother's womb or 110 years old. Today is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. Be excited. Live the resurrected, reconciled and resurgent life that God has in store for you. Today, but every day. Now, my takeaway from what God has told me as I've been listening to him and preparing this message is that where something in my life looked dead, God's desire is for me to be rekindled and to bring that into a resurgence and to put new wine into new wineskins. He's also reminded me how important our children are. That's my takeaway. What's yours? Whatever it is, share God's excitement and desire for you and for others. Look out for it. Catch the wave. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.